You are listening to Trials Talk with Chris and Kyle on the Sidious Mag podcast presented by Tracksmith. We're super excited to partner with Tracksmith, an independent running brand fueled by a deep love of the sport. They celebrate the amateur spirit and seek to inspire the personal pursuit of excellence. Tracksmith is pleased to be supporting 30 Olympic trials qualifiers in Eugene, including athletes across 14 different disciplines as part of their amateur support program. So here's a special offer for our listeners over the next couple days. Check out Tracksmith's essentials for racing and training, including the Strata kits that their trials athletes are racing in this week at tracksmith.com slash Sidious. You can use code Sidious to receive 10% off any order until the last day of the trials, which is June 27th. That's right, 10% off any order through the last day of the trials using code Sidious. Now, let's get right into the biggest performances and surprises with me, your host, Chris Chavez, and my co-host, Kyle Merber. And we are here the day after Tracksmith has their first ever Olympian. We are joined on the podcast, a very special podcast this morning, with the newest Tracksmith, the first Tracksmith Olympian, Rachel Dinkoff. Thanks so much for sitting down. We're so excited for you. Hi, thanks. Yeah, I'm happy to be with you guys too. I'm excited to join this team and be a part of this. First ever podcast, right? First ever podcast. I hope I do okay. <laughs> this will be this will be fun. Um, I guess kind of let's let's dive right into it. We have the video queued up over here of your throw yesterday. So, but before we roll, I guess let's get a little bit of background. I see hometown Waterloo, Indiana. Yes, is it a small town. What get, describe it for us? Like paint a picture. What what it was like growing up there? Yeah, it's a it's kind of a small town. Um, a lot of farmland. Um, you know, not crazy amount of things to do. It's kind of like a, a suburb town. Um, to Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. which is like a bigger town in Indiana that people are usually familiar with. But um, yeah, it's it's just kind of a small little town. High school has enough to do, but not too much. Um. Not too bad. <laughs> Where'd you pick up the the throws, especially, I guess, when did discus, I guess, become a special thing? So I did soccer in seventh grade and I was not very talented. I was a larger seventh grader and was strong. I was just bigger than most of the girls and I was goalie and I just didn't like soccer. So then in eighth grade, I decided to do track and field. And again, me being a tall, larger eighth grader than most of the girls, throwing was naturally you know, the thing to do. I also did run the 200 and I was, I'm relatively fast, but, um, it got me too tired to throw, (laughs) to throw the, the shot put and discus. So, um, yeah, they, uh, they just kept me in shot put and discus. And ever since then, I just, I loved that it was, you know, I mean, it's a team sport, but your success is, very dependent on how much you pour into it. So I loved that I didn't have to be held back by anybody else. If they decided not to perform at their best so and then you went to auburn correct yes so i well i went to a small d1 school in fort wayne called ipfw and then i transferred to auburn okay and then graduated 2016 yes okay so uh, correct me if the stat is incorrect but you were never a first team all-american right and now (laughs) here we are five years later you're an olympian yeah (laughs) How did that happen? <laughs> um, passion, <laughs> a lot of tears, <laughs> a lot of hard work. Um, yeah, in, in college, I mean, I think the best I ever placed in discus was like 11th or 12th. I like I, I actually a was a better was shot putter. And shot put, I, I was think, a better yeah. shot putter. <laughs> um, but I, um, I was a glider, so I knew I was going to have to do a whole, you know, 
redo of my throws, um, which I kind of did in discus anyway, but at the time I was going to have to probably switch to rotational cause I'm a little bit more undersized for a shot putter. Um, and also just not strength levels weren't there. So yeah, I, um, I decided to pursue discus. It always just kind of crept up. Like I, I, I focused on shot put, but I always, you know, kind of had a weird connection with discus and it always just was good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I kind of made that decision and my last meet, it was at nationals. Um, I talked to one of the girls that was sitting next to me about her coach. If he would coach me post collegiately in discus and, that's how it started. <laughs> so we were talking before we hit record a little bit about the fact that, you know, we have distance running background. A lot of our listeners have a distance running background. Right. And I wanted to ask some of the intricacies of it all. So what would be like, why would you go discus as opposed to shot? Like what athletic skill set would maybe differentiate the two? Right. So, um, I would strength levels. Definitely. Um, not that I can't get there, but I would have to probably do a whole, um, remake of my body and strength levels, which again, not afraid to put in the work. Um, definitely would be for that, but discus just kind of seemed to come a little bit more naturally. I'm, I have long levers. Um, I just, I just felt like my ceiling was higher in discus than it was in shot put. And, yeah, I think that's that was pretty much the deciding factor, and it just seemed to come so easy. So, um, well, it was easy. It's not so much <laughs> as I find out when I dive more into it. But um, um, yeah, I would I would say just the fact that I I felt like I was more prepared like for discus than I was shot put, just naturally. One of the things we were kind of wondering a couple of nights ago as we're like going through every single result is just that the United States throws right now is getting pretty competitive, pretty good. Uh, and for people who haven't been following, whether it's the discus or the shot put in recent years, I guess what has gotten into the throws here? <laughs> what is happening? Honestly, I think since they raised the standard, like the standards, like everyone's kind of just risen to the occasion. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I if you would have asked Rachel from two years ago that she'd be throwing 64 meters this past year, she probably would have like laughed in your face. <laughs> I mean, she would have been helpful, but never have thought that that would have came so soon. And I think it's just people had to rise to the occasion, you know, like, okay, that's the standard. Like you can't change it. You got to do something about it. So you just got to start finding more ways to chip away at, um, you know, whatever you are below it and get to that, get to that point. And I think people are just, finding that way and, um, getting better, you know, technically, um, physically, you know, strength levels are going up. Um, but I, I would say, I feel like I see more, uh, people becoming more technically efficient in mm -hmm. the throws. The pandemic year and the Olympic postponement by, by one year, you know, has either really benefited some athletes by getting the extra year to, you know, get stronger, get faster uh, for, you know, other athletes who might be a little bit older. Like it was wasn't the best thing for you, I guess, like when you got the word that the Olympics are going to be postponed. I mean, how did you process that? Um, I think I kind of mentally prepared it to happen. Um, once the talk started coming out, I was like, okay, like I need to like not, you know, I need to, I need to remind myself that this really could happen. So, um, it, it wasn't devastating to me because I don't think I would be in the place that I am now if it would have happened mm -hmm. last year. Um, I think I still was trying to figure out 
me and my technique and try to settle into what I wanted to be as a thrower and just like learning it's it's in these throws I'm sure with like distance running and all the events like the older you get the more you just really start to tune into what it means and what you need to be successful and I don't think I was there yet and it it kind of was a blessing for me to have this extra year of COVID to really start to figure that out and accept me and accept what my body does to be efficient and to produce big throws and just working on that and making that you know produce big throws and not trying to look like anybody else the one thing you said that stood out to me when kyle asked like how do we get to this point was you said passion um in conversations with someone like you know joe kovacs or even like ryan krauser and in the just a general assessment of it i i'm saying this with, with your agent in the room but uh the money in the throws isn't isn't as high as it is in other like disciplines um and so it does take that sort of level of commitment and drive to get out there every day because you sort of you, you love doing it so how would you describe that passion that got you out the door to get to this point uh, i've i've just like always had it i have never done this thinking that like oh i want to make a ton of money of course i would i want to make money from this but i wanted to be an olympian more than anything i have always just been a pure athlete and wanted to see how far I can really push myself and see how far I can throw and see what I can actually accomplish like just in this sport. And I know the money can like come along with that, but I definitely never really did it for that. I, I just, mm-hmm. I really just wanted to see, be the, or just be the best I could possibly be and see where that lands me. And your boss is in the room. I know, <laughs> we I know. recording this podcast. But the better I get, the more money I make. So, <laughs> so uh, the the question I had when you know the decision to continue competing after college was probably a big one. Obviously, there probably wasn't a ton of opportunities to do that immediately after. I'm sure that there may be some people in your life thinking, "We thought that was a hobby, and like <laughs> now go get a job and stop this silly game." So, I guess, what have you been doing? especially upon graduation the last five years obviously tracksmith now stepping up and helping support and make the dream possible but there had to have been other things in those five years so what were you doing oh gosh (laughs) what wasn't i doing um i sold a lot of things on facebook market first of all uh things i didn't need um i when i first got out of college um i knew i needed to find something that could have a flexible life you know part-time job and work with training. So the first thing I tried was bartending and that lasted about two and a half months because it was at a club in Auburn and it was super busy. I made a lot of money fast, but I wouldn't get home at the earliest until 3.30 in the morning. And it just, it just you can't train efficiently at that. So um, after I cried my way out of that job, um, I tried waitressing, which was pretty much just as hard just wasn't I was sleeping a little bit better but it was just more hours on my legs and it was just it was so exhausting but it still gave me the time I needed to train and compete um and they were very flexible I've been very blessed to have very um open bosses to to deal with all this um I then moved to New Mexico and got a job at Dick Sporting Goods. So then I did retail, which again, it's probably even less money and then still on my feet. Um, but I still was able to train. And it wasn't until I had a 
a family friend, um, basically like a sister mom. Um, she invited me into her, uh, her work and she now, um, supports me and I, I work for her and that's been the biggest blessing I could possibly have because it, it's from my computer. Um, I don't have to be on my feet. I can train full time and ha- actually, uh, bring importance or like have recovery. That's just been a game changer is just having recovery time. And I'm sure distance runners know all mm-hmm. about that. Cause I felt like I was a distance runner pacing back and forth, <laughs> like working these jobs <laughs> and retail. And Oh my gosh, it was awful. Yeah. I, was, I was basically a, uh, an Olympic uh, speed walker. <laughs> I felt, I felt like I could probably compete. Nick and I were sitting here yesterday with Rudy Winkler and yeah. he was on his rest day and we were asking him a bunch of questions and I asked him like a a day after the competition, how do you feel like, what is sore? Is it? And I was really surprised to know that it's was his legs. And like, Mm -hmm. that's actually much more of the job than I think maybe distance runners could appreciate. Is it the same in discus? Yeah. So I would say all the throws are kind of a ground up movement. The, yeah, it, it basically stems from the bottom. And even if we do like, you know, he took three throws, I mean, he took warm up throws, but it's it's exhausting especially the weight that he has to you know move around it's it's exhausting and even for me with a 1k disc um it's it's a lot of just effort and Mm -hmm. a lot of focus on your body and it just kind of wears you down and yeah definitely definitely the legs are the most sore thing um for me it's like sometimes like the inner thighs um but yeah definitely definitely in that area it gets beat up surprisingly it's it's a different it's a different type of sore so i kind of want to bring in nick willis here who's been sitting with us for for this interview so far as nick who heads the tracksmith amateur support program uh, you probably got a flurry of just you know applications when it came to uh, when the first word first got out about this what made what made her stick out to you especially now hearing all of this background no rachel was far too good to apply to us (laughs) (laughs) i i I, um i try to headhunt her um when i realized that there was a couple of really high caliber athletes that had yet to um, have an affiliation next to their name and the entries i i did some research and um rachel really stood out as as someone who who had a good shot at making the team um, and her ethos and um, her commitment to having jobs outside of just being an athlete um, that really stands with our brand. So I was like, Rachel, I know this is right before the competition. Uh, there's a lot of stresses. You've got to get your uniform checked in and you've got to get everything approved. Um, totally understand if you don't want to do this, but um, is there any chance? And um, she connected me with her agent who we had a history as well. And and Rachel was kind enough to, to compete in our uniform in, in the qualifying round. And after that, um, yeah, we, we made an agreement that this um, this could be something that we could partner with for the finals, but hopefully also into the future as well. So now they've got to change the brand name to, what would you call it? Uh, I stole the word Throwsmith from <laughs> one of my colleagues. But um, then everyone on Twitter saying Fieldsmith is a little better. <laughs> but maybe we could make her up a gray boy t-shirt that says Throwsmith. I love it. I would totally wear it. <laughs> so you threw 64 in May, 62 yesterday. Did I, do I have that correct? Uh, no, I actually threw 60. Oh, okay. So yesterday was, was a struggle. I had to fight for my spot mm-hmm. yesterday. And I... Um, I was not, I mean, I was prepared for it, but that is not how I saw this trials going for me. Yeah. And 
yeah. Walk us through. So yeah, set the, this up. We've yeah. got the video queued yeah. up. But before we get to that throw, what what where are we at at this point in competition? Um, this throw exactly. Well, yeah, I guess or, like set us up for for this moment. This is the this is the fourth, this, fifth, the fifth throw. Yeah. I want to hear about your warm up because yeah. from the oh stands it looked like it wasn't quite going as we would want to. Yeah, it. Um, so, well, and first of all, preliminaries went really well. I felt really relaxed. Um, you know, my coach and I have done a great job preparing, like my body, my technique. You know, uh, tapering off really well. I felt physically prepared, and I've you know, I don't read and I read a whole book before this meet (laughs) and I think it's called mind gym and it was fantastic. And I just felt very mentally prepared. I was like, I'm going to have fun. And that's why I did the first day in qualifiers and I threw really well and it was very consistent. So I, you know, came in the next day with the same mentality and I didn't feel nervous but I could tell that there was just something off. And I don't know if distance runners have this, but it's, it's like almost my, my, there was a mis, there was, there wasn't like a connection between my mind and my body. And I, you know, I was telling my mind to be calm, to have fun, like enjoy this. And my body was just kind of like, I couldn't feel anything. Like usually you can, you have a feel for the ground or like a tempo and like a rhythm. And it just, it was kind of lost and I started feeling it in warmups. And I think also what threw me off is they gave us a lot of extra time to warm up. Mm. So that was interesting. How um, long would you normally need? They, well, they gave us 30 minutes yesterday and we had like 45. So we're, there was a lot of waiting around. I like my, time um, for your mind to get in the way. <laughs> maybe so. Um, you know, obviously I'm not going to sit there and like, let myself think that, um, I was, you know, trying to stay confident like okay this is this is a great opportunity to get more warm-up throws or to calm myself down and just kind of get acclimated to everybody here and it just wasn't connecting and I think inside I probably knew how much this meat was and I knew that there was one you know there was there's four of us that could qualify for the Olympics and this final and one of us was not going and that was a lot of pressure (laughs) and I don't think I really like let I I didn't think I was feeling that but I must have been feeling that in some way so yeah warm-ups was tough was tough I was doing things feeling things that I've never really felt before I felt before when I'm nervous um thought I was going to be able to beat that um first throw right into the cage very unlike me (laughs) But, you know, you got to brush that off and, you know, you can't waste this opportunity. So finally, second throw, um, I threw like 57, which isn't, you know, a great throw for me, but it, it put me into seventh place. So I'm like, okay, that guarantees me three more throws. Like I can take a breath. Um, I think I fouled my third throw and then it was a quick turnaround because I was last in the flight on the first three throws. And then I, since I was in seventh and they take eight. I was the second thrower, so um, I think that was actually good because I had what I needed to do fresh in my mind through a 59-meter throw that put me in fourth. And But you were two centimeters behind third. What when you, Did that <laughs> go through your mind like, oh, I needed that extra couple of centimeters, it, or you didn't even notice that? I, I did notice it. I think I saw it briefly on the board, but it's like, what are you going to – you know, I can't fret over it. What am I going to do? It can't magically I go up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just like – I just knew I had to just – throw farther um and i i felt fairly safe 
ish. I, like it felt more comfortable knowing like, okay, like I'm now in a position to still go to the Olympics, but I want that experience of being on the podium. You know, I, I've worked so hard. Like I want to experience this to the fullest. And I, on this last throw, just tried my best to feel as normal Rachel as possible. It wasn't great. It wasn't completely normal, um, but it was enough. And it put me in third. And um, I, yeah. And then on my last throw was garbage. <laughs> so, I mean, it was garbage. So I, I had to just wait and pray and <laughs> hold out to see if I, if my, my, uh, my number would stand and it did. Are you watching every single, or are you like, I can't look? <sighs> it was a little bit of both. Like I kind of would watch them throw, but then I wouldn't, I, I would like kind of look away and then just kind of eyeball where it landed. I'm like, okay, that's kind of close. I don't know if that's farther, but I'm not going to count it out because I'm not sure. And I just like eagerly waiting to see what the screen says. And is there a little bit of guilt not wanting other people to do well? Yeah. Uh, you're like <laughs> dependent on other people to <laughs> fail in order for you to succeed, but it's sports. So that's the whole point of the it's, game. It's difficult because I'm actually really friendly with everybody i'm really good friends with pretty much everybody that i'm throwing against so it's a different it's a difficult balance mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's like you know i hope they do their best but i hope my best is better in a way um like mm -hmm. so i guess that's the way i think of it instead of thinking ill like I, you know i hope they do yeah their best but i hope my best is better <laughs> i'm gonna make sure my best is better <laughs> All right, let's watch this thing. Uh, yeah. How many times have you watched that? I'm trying not to, and that's why I'm getting emotional, because I get emotional every time. Oh, gosh. It's fine. I'm fine. It's fine. It's so cool. <laughs> this is fine. So you knew it was a good throw as soon as it leaves your fingers? I usually do, and you can usually tell by the sound of my, like, blurp or whatever I yell. Um, that was actually a shorter one. So I knew it wasn't going to be that far, <laughs> but, um, I knew it was farther, <laughs> but yeah, you can usually tell off your hands if it's going to be good. Like you just, you just feel it off your finger. It's, it's very, it's very, very interesting, but I knew I pulled off on that and that's why you kind of see it tilt. Um, so, I mean, if I could have thrown it a little bit more level, that probably would have been a pretty decent throw, but it is what it is. <laughs> Um, so something that I'd be just really curious to know, what is like, what is different at the end of the season that gets you in peak shape and ready to throw your absolute furthest at the end of the season when it counts? I would say, um, just definitely consistency, like really zoning into like a few cues and just simplifying it and making the technique just easy. And that's, I mean, that's pretty much what we try to do and just make everything else just feel like, you know, 
like it's just what you do and then have those those extra cues that you might need to like tweak here and um, just see how your body's feeling that day and okay I'm, my legs are a little dead so I know I need to do this if I feel that so it's just kind of um, I kind of think of it as like a little bank Mm-hmm. And I pull from it from like what I need each day because each day is different. And um, that's something I also had to learn a lot this year that, you know, especially with training and weightlifting, like your body's going to react differently on different days. Your your legs might be fatigued or maybe you're a little bit too sparky and you got to find a way to, to calm that down. And um, you just, yeah, I just pull from that little bank of my cues um, to, uh to just get myself to that peak level. So just really simplifying it. And then also in the weight room, just starting to taper off, you know, not doing as much heavy lifting, doing quick explosive lifts. Um, we're still, um, not that we're experimenting with that, but we're still, you know, trying to find what works best for me. And, um, you know, it depends on each athlete. Chris and I talk a lot about like how we were becoming more obsessed i think with throwers numbers yeah like whenever a thrower will post their like squat or their bench or something <laughs> on instagram i feel like we share yeah. it especially with joe like kovacs like when oh when my he gosh. he texted me that video because you know i are working on a project together uh and in an event i was like this can go viral joe like i don't I, people need to see this and then we posted it on the Sports Illustrated Instagram, and he got a couple sponsorship dollars out of it because it's just it's, it's the numbers are, are are crazy. I mean, for for distance runners, yeah. Who, yeah. So, know. what are the big lifts that are most important in your training, and how much are you putting up? Yeah, I would say it it depends. It depends on the time of the year. So, um, I would say in like fall winter training, like it's a lot of like heavy power lifting. So you like, you got your heavy squats, like your heavy box squats. Um, just building that, like that strength. <laughs> and, um, and then more like closer to season, you kind of like get a little bit more into like Olympic lifting and just, um, working on like that triple extension that we experience in, um, in our throws. Um, not so much me yesterday, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more of like an Olympic lifter, I would say than a power. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal for this next year is to get crazy strong, like not, not to the point where it's going to like hinder me, but I, I, I want to really start building some mass so I can, you know, at least get more consistency out of my throws. Um, but I, I would say my best lift would be like a hang clean or my regular clean. Um, I hang clean like 255 pounds. Like, and like, I'll have to show you the video. And it's like, like, I almost like tap the ground. <laughs> like I drop so low. I think my, my regular clean is like 240, but I would say like my hang clean is probably my, my best lift at 255. We, we know it's going to go viral. <laughs> it actually did. did. It actually yeah. did. <laughs> when you go into a really big lift like that, is it like your psyche and they're like 30, 45 seconds before that, the same as before you walk into the throwing circle? Absolutely like, not. You're like, that's not. <laughs> no. no. It is complete. I wish it was. I, I wish I could bring that same like, let's go get it. You know, that like, like that attitude to it. But for me, I have to be like, almost just peaceful mm-hmm. for for my throw. I mean, I want to get to the point where I can like know how to turn it on, but when I try to turn it on, I rush things. But yeah, it's I I wish it was cuz I love that feeling of just getting amped and I almost like I I used to have that in shot put and I miss that 
and I don't have that as much in discus, but maybe I'll get there eventually when my techniques a little bit more settled in and solidified, um, in the next coming years. But yeah, unfortunately I have to be like, I got this, you know, <laughs> just nice and happy. Oh, so but. your coach now in New Mexico, right? And yes. is he the like responsible for both the lifting side of things and obviously technique and working with you in the ring? Is it everything or do you have, you know, do you work with multiple people on that? Yeah, he actually writes um, all my programs, um, my whole lifting thing and he um he's used it with other throwers and then he also tweaks it like towards me and what i need as an athlete and as a discus thrower um like i even know uh i think next year we're gonna work a lot on specific strength um we haven't done that as much this year so just building some more specific strength um but yeah he, he pretty much handles all that and same with discus technique and of course like i'm also you know my own coach in some ways and there's things that like i might like to do because I know my own body and um yeah so it's it's an he writes it all but of course like if I have some input like I can talk to him about it he, he's a very open coach with that which is good is nutrition a big part yes yes so actually Love last <laughs> yeah last um last summer I invested into a nutritionist and it was it was a game changer just learning how wrong I was was very interesting <laughs> what were you doing that the amount of protein I put in my body was just like so much <laughs> prior to talking with your nutritionist yeah yeah before talking to a nutritionist and like I was so hesitant when she was like telling me how like less of protein I needed to eat and I'm like wait I don't need like seven eggs for breakfast <laughs> yeah. She's like, you do not need seven eggs for breakfast. So she, um, she's really helped me, um, not only with just like calories and just helping me build the body that I um, feel most efficient at. Um, she just helped me learn how to fuel my body and refuel my body and how to do it like very naturally, which I, which I really love. And I get a lot of greens in when you know when to eat um different type of carbs. Um, just learning that has just been fascinating. It's a science. It's it's been really, it's been really great. And I think it's really helped my performance too and helped my recovery too. Mm -hmm. I want to kind of take it to the moment that takes place after this. Uh, what was the victory lap like? And like, where, who did you run to first? <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> I, I think it was my whole family. Yeah. Um, cause my coach was a few, uh, seats up and I think I ran straight to my family that was there because they were already like down at the bottom level, ready to ready to embrace me and all my 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 ugly crying. <laughs> um, and then, of course, like my coach, he is probably the slowest man on the planet. <laughs> he takes his time and he eventually inched his way out of the chair and made his way down. And I finally got to give him a really great hug and just just to thank him for everything he's done for me and all that he's poured into me. And I know I've given him a lot of gray hairs, so I'm just grateful for, for his support and help. What was celebration like last night? How did you guys, you were <laughs> saying that your dessert is a big part of how you like to celebrate. Are there, are there things you can't say on the pod that no. went down as oh, well? I do not mind sharing. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> no um, well, what was funny is we <laughs> didn't get a lot of time to celebrate because I, um, I could not give um, 
a pee sample. Yeah. So one of the last <laughs> questions I ask every guest who comes on this podcast is, what's your funniest drug testing story? And so... Here this could I be am. it. Yeah. Well, actually, I have two. Okay. So the two Hit times us. I've, um, one was a couple of years ago. I was with Usada, and um, they, or I, yeah, I was, yeah, I guess with Usada, whatever it is. They, um, they decided to come to my house at like five fifty in the morning, and um, they, I didn't wake up. My roommate woke up, and she was like, "Is Rachel here?" And she's confused because she doesn't know what's going on. Um, so they come, come in, wake me up, and. Hey, surprise, got to pee in a cup. I could not pee for three hours. This lady was in my bathroom with me, sweetest lady too. And she's like, don't worry, this happens all the time. We tried water dripping. I tried playing on my phone. We even brought my cat in. Like I had my cat on my lap trying to pee. And I couldn't. So it's me, this lady, and my cat, Ted, in my bathroom. It was it was an experience. Stuff with an audience. It was, and I, I, I felt I felt like my cat would make it more natural because usually he makes his way in because of course he can't be outside of the bathroom um, when I'm in there. It's just tragic. Um, so yeah, so I brought him in and we were just all hanging in my bathroom together. Um, was finally able to pee. Grateful for that. Um, last night, I. Um, somehow made the decision to go to uh, drug testing first instead of media. So obviously mm. with the adrenaline, um, I was probably not ready to go. I thought I was, and it was a false. And I think the girl that was also with me had to go really bad. So then it made me think I had to go really bad. I did not have to go. <laughs> so I should have went to media. I went to drug testing. I get there, can't, can't pee. And so, you know, I walk out. I was I don't want you to have to like stand here just staring at me <laughs> for that long. I was like, let me chug some water. So I chugged some, it took a while. And then I'm also like anxious that I'm going to miss media. And this is my first experience. Yeah. So I didn't want to do that, which probably made me had to like pee even less. Cause I'm anxious. Um, I try again, I get about four milliliters of the 90 I need. And <laughs> so, um, I found out that they can let me go to media. So then we had to box this four milliliter <laughs> like sample up. And that was a whole process. Wow. Um, lock it in this box. I finally get to go to media. I drink like an energy drink, basically. And I come back. We um, we played some uh, water water music. <laughs> um, I think there was like some trains in it at one time, too. It was very interesting. Very soothing, surprisingly. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting. It's like I was peeing in a forest. Not really, but <laughs> I was able to do it. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. But the whole time, my family's at this restaurant. I don't even know what time I got there. It was like well past nine. They closed at 8.45. So um, they had already all eaten. Um, I show up finally <laughs> with a full bladder. <laughs> and, um, they deserve to celebrate, though. Yeah, they deserved it. <laughs> they had a role to play. So, um, yeah, I uh, got to celebrate with them a little bit last night. But... Um, Obviously, it wasn't probably the celebration we were all expecting, <laughs> but it's okay. You know, who cares? I made it. Has it settled in yet? I mean, have you been to Japan before that, like, you're gone? I, I, it hits sometimes. I think when I watch that video, it hits, and then I've just been doing so much that it, like, I don't know if I've really had a chance to be by myself and really whoa, you know, mm -hmm. I just achieved my childhood dream. Um, so I think that's going to come with more, you know, peaceful time. But while I'm here, I'm just trying to soak up everything, you know, trying to go to the meet and, you know, experience as much as I can and not let this this experience pass me by because I'm going to have all the time to 
you know, to realize I'm an Olympian. I want to, I want to live in the now, live in the moment and really mm-hmm. enjoy these times. But, um, yeah, it'll hit soon. It's going to be, it's going to be ugly. I'm ready for it. I have chocolate ready already. One of my favorite things that Traxman's been doing, I guess, in the lead up to this is pairing, you know, athletes of different disciplines, like, you know, and interviewing each other. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, being that you'll be here for the next couple of days, what are some of the other events that you're really looking forward to? Definitely looking forward to seeing Rudy and Hammer. Definitely want to see that. Um, I'm, you know, of course I'm, I'm biased. I love the throwing events. Mm-hmm. So like Javelin would love to see. I actually don't even know what's coming up in the next couple of days. I've been so focused on yeah, yeah, yeah. the first two days of my um, event, but I knew... I knew Hammer was uh, today, so I at least wanted to see that because the throwers were all like we're all pretty close. We all um, have a really great bond. I don't know if distance running is like that. Um, y'all look a little fierce <laughs> when I see you run. You guys get way more comments on Instagram because it's all your peers in the sport, like yeah. cheering on. If, if one person has a great throw, you get like 150 comments yep. from every other thrower <laughs> yep. in America. It seems like an awesome community. It's really great. Everyone's super supportive. I think because we all know. I don't I mean, maybe we just know how hard and how technical mm-hmm. it is. So when you find it, there's no secret sauce, but when you find whatever you find, it's just, it's people are just like, good for you. Yeah. Like <laughs> good for you. Cause it's hard. It's really hard. And it's, it's up and down. Um, that was something I didn't quite realize, um, until I started really bonding with people in this sport that it is a roller coaster. Like social media is a highlight reel. So you see everybody's great throws and then you you're there panicking Mm -hmm. because you just hit the cage 17 times at practice. So I think, um, the throwers are just, we're just all large, happy people and we just talk to each other and we can like relate and just bond over the the toughness of this mm-hmm. sport and what laugh it takes. Laugh at how weak the rest of us. Are. <laughs> laugh at all weak everybody else is. Um, yeah, you know it's like. I'm I'm kind of curious, and this is kind of a special dynamic we have here. Nick, you've been to a couple Olympics at this point. It's different because of the restrictions that Tokyo will probably have in place for you know being able to get out and about. But I guess what advice would you have to someone heading to their first games? Um, it, it depends whether you really want to soak up the whole occasion or you want to focus on performance because I think those are two different things. If it's focusing on performance, like you really need to just like do what you did here and focus on your event and not get caught up in the moment of all of the excitement. Like, I remember my first games seeing Yao Ming in the dining hall trying to get autographs from Kobe Bryant, all of this stuff. Like I was so distracted and it took me away from my own game. But at the other games when I had better performances, like... I was there for business and business alone, and I was going to celebrate when I returned back to my mm. home in America afterwards. But I was fortunate I got to experience both of those things. You're right. still young, so hopefully you will also as well. Um, but ultimately, I think it's it's what you do in the circle or in the stadium that you'll remember the most. So like, do whatever you can to like make that the experience and not worry about the the village experience, all of that sort of stuff. Um, there's there's plenty of opportunities in the world for that. Interesting. Thank you. That's good. Because it can be very distracting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully COVID will give, I think COVID kind of helps with those uh, restrictions now anyways. So 
Well, we're wishing you all the best of luck, and you've got another next couple of weeks of training. But just know that you've got fans. I'm I'm sure you're going to get more fans from from coming on and chatting with us. But you've got at least you know uh, we've got 20 people in this house right now listening to this. At least 20 big ones right here. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks so much. Thank this you. has been Congrats fun. Again. First pa- podcast. I, I think it went well, you right? Crushed you it. crushed it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>